This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer, the world's strongest man, Mark Henry's got a lot on his chest. He's upset about all the negativity in pro wrestling. He lashes out. Plus, what about believability and the prostitution of moves in the world of pro wrestling? A lot that Mark wants to talk about. He does it on this episode of the Busted Open Podcast. Also, we have Justin Labar with his rumor roundup. All the top stories in the week that was in pro wrestling right now on the Busted Open Podcast. And I know there's a lot that you want to get into. You, there's a lot of people that you want to take the task. But I know that one thing that you wanted to bring up was about our conversation that we were having yesterday about Orange Cassidy. And, you know, Bully and I were talking about that match from AEW Dynamite on Wednesday with Orange Cassidy and Cody Rhodes. And Bully said, I don't, I didn't believe it. I can't buy into that. Cody's, uh, you know, uh, uh, amateur, was an amateur wrestling background. And you're going to tell me he's going to fall for some of the stuff with Orange Cassie. It just doesn't make any sense to me logically. And then I brought up the fact that, hey, it's, you know, Orange Cassidy, it's pro wrestling. So anything can kind of be explained. And then there was a lot of nation members that called in and uh, said, hey, you know what? I can see, like, this Orange Cassidy thing. It's just not believable today. And I know that's something that you heard on the show yesterday that you took exception to. It was. I mean, just in the last couple of weeks. And I'm going to have to apologize to the fans because uh, I'm I'm a powder. (laughs) That's, that's, That's horrible. But, yeah, Mark Henry pouts. And when I get upset about something, I get quiet and distanced, and I don't want to talk to nobody. And I did that on the air last week, and I apologize. I will not do that again because I feel like uh, I've been given the green light to say, look, you got a problem with something, then just say it. So I'm going to call everybody ass out. And that's just you can't just say some random bullshit. So if you call in and you say something that I don't agree with, I'm not going to go shake my head like, oh, my God, I was ignorant. No, I'm going to let you have it. So if you want it today, call in and say something stupid. I double dog dare you. Like, it's going to go down. And that, that goes for Dave and Bully and anybody else on this show. Because if I talk about it, I want to make sure that I know what I'm talking about. This is coming from a place of facts, and it's coming from a place of experience. And I'm not going to pat myself on the back so hard that I break my own wrist. But we're going to talk about psychology and wrestling today. We're going to talk about the where in wrestling. Where do you put it? How? How you do it? And when you do it? Those are the, that's the three most important things in a, when you put a match together. And and I've already had one match this morning with Kyle. Kyle yeah, had a Kyle match was, against Randy Orton. He did. We made it up. He had a match. Well, I said, Kyle, what's the finish? Kyle said, well, what's the finish? I was like, you know what the finish is. Randy giving your ass the RKO. <laughs> That's what the finish is. How do you get it? Out of nowhere. It's just going to happen. So how do you start the match? And then we had a little match. Made it up as we went. And then out of nowhere, 
RKO, Randy hand raised. That's pro wrestling. And a lot of people fail to realize it. We talk about it. They make it about moves. They make it about maneuvers. Jim Ross always says, he hit him with that tope, and they said, Jim, you know what that is? I don't know. Shit, I don't know. All this, it, I've never seen half of this shit. That's, that's because Jim Ross is an expert on pro wrestling. A lot of what we're getting today is spot shows. We talked about the, the DDT. That's, that's how we started, right? The DDT yep. was the first one. There was a time in the 80s, if you got hit with a DDT, it was over. You got hit with a trip with, with, with a with a super kick, done. Oh my gosh. Power driver, done. It's over. Any variation. Standing, sitting, tombstone, any kind of power driver, it was over. Cancel Christmas. But now, in every brand of pro wrestling, I challenge every wrestler out there in the world that can hear this, hear my voice. Don't prostitute moves, maneuvers. Don't prostitute them. Make them mean something. Allow me as a fan to start to believe and love again. Because what we're hearing from the fans People like Rufus that called in that that love pro wrestling. They love what they got from the WWE and the WWF and the WWWF. We still have some of those people living. We still have those fans out there. Is that we don't put an emphasis on the love for the business the way that we ingested as fans. It's being shoved down our throats by people that barely know how to do it. So the owners of the companies, put your people to task. Veterans in the locker room, tell the young guys, quit doing shit that they don't know how to do well. Because as we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, we had people that almost died. I got nauseous and had to turn my head because I thought somebody was going to get paralyzed because I've seen one of my friends get paralyzed. And if I, I said, man, we should call Darren and have Darren on the show and have him talk to some of these young people and say, hey, I know it looks cool, but don't do it. And we didn't do it. But I, damn it, in the next break, I'm calling Darren. Hopefully he's awake and not cuss me out. Man, it's early, man. Because <laughs> he'll do it. He'll well, do it. Uh, yeah, Mark, you're bringing up a lot. And, and, and I think this is a really good backdrop uh, for today's show. Because it's something that I know you're passionate about. It's something that Bully's passionate about, too. Bully yesterday brought up, you know, with the table. going through. A ta now, all of a sudden, going through a table is almost like a hip toss. Like, you, you go yeah, through a table. Yeah, make shit make sense. Yeah, yeah, you go through a table, and, the, and it doesn't even interfere or affect the ending of the match. It's just like something that happens within the match. I mean, you go through a table. Listen, if you go through a table, if somebody picked you up and put you through a table, you're not getting up. You are were, you were, you were not getting up. No. You know, it's like going to take two or three people to take your lifeless body to the back. 
That's what it's going to take. It's over. And I'm, I, I see why Bully is pissed because that was one of the fortes of his work. His life's work was to help find a way to create. You know what? I, I, I wish Bully would call in because when he came in, I remember when he came to the WWE, or yeah, WWE, and they would do these spots with the table. Nine times out of ten, in the, in the very beginning, they used the table. Nine times out of ten, they wouldn't even use them. It was implied. Okay, out comes the table. And then when the table came, they would, you would look like you're going to get put through the table. No, not this time. Gotcha. He's going to pursue play. Nope. Take it away. Sorry. That was wrestling. They made it mean something. And then when somebody did finally go through one, oh, man, the crowd used to come unglued. Now, I, I see people go through the table. I don't even flinch. I'm sitting there like this. And if anybody, you know, you can't see me other than the people that's producing the show and Dave, but I'm sitting here like, okay, whatever. So let's get back to that, Dave. That, that would make me uh, feel like a fan again, and it would keep me from going off the deep end like I am today. Hey, everyone. This is Lisa Ann, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences, past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app and Apple Podcasts. Rufus calls in to make the proclamation that he prefers Matt Riddle over Orange Cassidy and the style of Matt Riddle over Orange Cassidy. And I, and I went off on Rufus because what does one have to – why are we comparing Matt Riddle, somebody who competed in MMA with Orange Cassidy? That makes absolutely no sense. And I'm going to say this right now, Mark, and I want to get your take on it. I want to get the nation's take as well. And I'm, I'm prepared to get hammered for this, but I, but I believe it. I believe it strongly. When you compare Matt Riddle to Orange Cassidy, to me, without question, the wrestler that I most would like to see and that I'm more emotionally invested in is Orange Cassidy. Matt, I Riddle, know what he's talking about, though. Yeah. And you have to put it from a historical standpoint. You have to take it back to, okay, let's go back way, way back. Let's go way, way back. Okay, the story in, in, in The Hooker, mm -hmm. the Luthez's book. Danny Hodge would be playing the role of Matt Riddle, or Matt Riddle would be playing the role of Danny Hodge. And Orange Cassidy would be playing the role of Argentina Roca. Okay. You love Danny Hodge because Danny Hodge is, in my opinion, a guy that, <clears throat> a guy, I get emotional about this stuff, Dave is a guy that if he was born today, he would be MMA champion. 
He would be WWE champion. He would be AEW champion. He'd be New Japan champion. He'd be the universal world champion of every genre because there's never been since a guy that was NCAA champion or AAU champion in boxing and AAU champion in wrestling at the same time. He was a bad, bad man. All of these MMA fighters that we, and Danny Hodge was so strong, his grip, a lot of the strongman feats that, that I did earlier in my career, I got from Danny Hodge, breaking the pliers, squeezing the apple and making applesauce and all of these things. Danny used to do that to prove to the fans how strong his hands were. So when he put people in vices and clamps, it, it showed the fans, man, he's going to die. <laughs> it's over. He, he legitimized things. That's how Rufus sees Matt Riddle. Argentina Roca was a dancer turned wrestler. And Argentina Roca used to do the flying stag leap kick and the splits and all of the flamboyant flips. And he was the first guy that did all that stuff. The cartwheel drop kick and all. Of, I mean, it's, it was, he was beautiful. You have to pull up some of the old footage. All y'all fans, you got homework. Pull up Argentina Roca's stuff. You would go nuts. And he would, he would translate today. That's how he sees Orange Cassidy. It's his choice that he chooses to see a Matt Riddle, to see a guy like a Brock Lesnar. Like he, he loves that style. But, and you can't be condemned. But Rufus, this is for you. Who the hell are you to tell us who we should like and who, what works and what don't work? So that's why Dave got in your ass. Because you tried to tell us what we should like. I respect your opinion. But do not tell me what I should like and what I shouldn't. Oh, you're a Nazi now? You making everybody do what the hell they, what you want them to do? No, we don't, we under, this is America. The land of the free, the home of the brave. Take no instruction from somebody because they tell us that's what we should like. Get out of here with that. And in the world of wrestling, because I understand it too, we had a, a bunch of callers that called in. Orange Cassidy is definitely like a hot button topic. And we have the sound of Bully talking about Orange Cassidy at Busted Open Radio from yesterday's show, Mark. But like, you can't compare the two. So, like, I think in the no. world of wrestling, there's room for both. You can have them. I, because I'm talking about Matt, uh, Orange Cassidy, and Orange Cassidy is resonating with me and with an audience. Why do people have to shit on Orange Cassidy? You could prefer a Matt Why? Riddle. Yeah, you, you could prefer a Matt Riddle, but what does that have to do with Orange Cassidy? You can't have – the world of pro wrestling can't be all about somebody like Matt Riddle. And I'll, 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 I'll be honest, like I said, like I'm more emotionally invested in Orange Cassidy because his character is compelling. His character is the very compelling. Yeah. Over, it's, it's, 
And that's the thing about it. It's storytelling. Matt Riddle, there, there, has, there isn't anything right now about Matt Riddle that's getting me emotionally invested with him as a personality and a character. He's a guy that goes into the ring. He's extremely athletic, and he's got an amazing move set. But other than that, he's a guy that says bro and throws his sandals off his toes. But they haven't done – he hasn't told me a story yet. There isn't any reason to, to, for me to get emotionally invested in him yet. With, but he's got an extremely amazing move set, and he's extremely athletic, and he can do a bunch of flips and a bunch of flops, and he can jump higher than anybody else. I'm more invested emotionally in Orange Cassidy. All that guy does is play pocket pool and wear, and wear shades. But I'm emotionally invested in him, especially based on the story he tells me week in and week out. And, and, and for all the fans that subscribe to that theory, let me go back a little while. There was a time when I wrestled a, a vertically challenged guy named Hornswoggle and lost Hall of Famer, a guy that could probably, you know, you, you, when you mention strength, top of the list, all time. There was a guy named Zach Gowan. He had one leg. He beat me. He beat the Big Show. He had one leg. You look at throughout history, there have been things in wrestling that didn't quite measure up to what quote-unquote, people would think of as reality-based. I've got some breaking news for you. Breaking news. It's about getting over. What can you get over? It's about entertainment. How can you entertain us in the process? It's not about the moves. The moves are third. It ain't even second. It's not even secondary. It's about entertaining. And Bully made a good point about Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes' elbow knock out anybody. It was bionic. Bionic elbow. During a time when nobody even said the word bionic except for the $6 million man. And if you're not 49, 50 years old, y'all don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Yeah, don't sleep on Lee You Nate. do the homework. There was a show called the $6 million man. I don't have time to give y'all you know, everything. You do the homework. But the bionic elbow, <laughs> listen, man. It took $6 million to, do, to, to make that elbow, and Dusty had it, and it was the equalizer, and it worked on everybody, and you loved it, and you got to see the most flamboyant wrestler ever born do it. So don't get so up in arms about seeing somebody do something that you don't think, oh, that wouldn't work in real world. Well, I'll tell you what. Y'all use Star Wars as the backdrop. I love Star Wars. 
And I told Ed this yesterday. When I was a kid, <laughs> and I found out that James Earl Jones was the voice of Darth Vader, I was pissed. It was a fictional character that I got mad about. <laughs> I, I wanted Darth Vader to be Darth Vader. Don't give me a face. Damn it. Oh, God, I hated I saw that. I mean, I respect it now because it was such a great role, especially yeah. for an African-American uh, actor in this world where not many African-American wrestlers were getting shine back then. I respect that. But I'm just saying, from a standpoint of being a fan, it put reality in my world where I was trying to get away from reality. That makes sense, Dave? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, Boba Fett would kick Luke Skywalker's ass in real life. In a heartbeat, kick it. Say it again, Dave. Kick his Shit, ass. Boba kick Fett, ass. over. Hey, everybody, this is Fran Freshella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovich fires it in to make it. Somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid has stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. There's been many times where I've come off as a, a old curmudgeon, a, a, an asshole, whatever you want to call me. But if I was in the ring before the show started and they said 10 minutes to doors, I know I got 10 minutes to get out of the ring. And if I looked up and I saw a popcorn vendor sitting in the crowd watching me in the ring, I would say, hey, buddy, get out. I cared that much about what was about to happen in that ring that I didn't want people, fans watching. I didn't want the crew watching. I didn't want the people working in the building, the janitor, the popcorn vendors, the managers of the people. Nobody. Get out. This is our space. And guys are not doing that now. They're, they're sitting out there like actors. Well. Let's, let's, let's go over it, and let's do this, and they don't care who watches. I'm not just going to fuss at the fans. I'm not going to fuss at just Dave because I disagree with him. I'm fussing at the wrestlers, too. Everybody has blame. I'm just the one with the microphone. And, and, and there's a reason why you have that microphone in your hand, because you're a Hall of Famer. Let's go out to Mike in Florida. Let's go to the nation early. Mike, what's going on, buddy? What did you want to say about what had Mark had to say? Yes, sir. Hey, um, I just wanted to call real fast. Thanks for uh, having me on. Uh, Mark, I don't think a lot of people understand from the athletic standpoint when you're a competitive athlete how that one shot that you have, you know, every time you go out, you compete for that one opportunity. So you put all in. And that's where the underdog actually has its, you know, believability. What they've done with the Cody Rhodes thing is try to make it show like all these like people that are lower card wrestlers trying to highlight them. But you stop believing that when you have someone that can barely beat Luke Harper, you know, beating all these other people 
like, but it takes them so much time. And, you know, it kind of takes away from the fact that we do push when we had that one opportunity, we do push a hundred percent. But I also think psychologically, if you're someone that's an athlete, you're going to go towards someone like a Matt Riddle that has a collegiate background, whereas someone that's like kind of like a Ferris Bueller type person may go, you know, with the Arch Cassidy. So I think that's that has to be looked at too. Wrestling brings so many worlds together. So, but um, I just wanted to talk real fast and not give the Danny Glover version because I'm getting ready to go back to Dr. Andrew's office right now. <laughs> but thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right, Mike, and thanks for the phone call. It, there's a balance there. There is a balance. But this is, you know, but that's what makes the world of pro wrestling different than, say, the world of MMA. If this was the world of MMA and you put in the octagon Orange Cassidy and Matt Riddle, well, there wouldn't be any fight at all. Matt Riddle would beat the shit out of Orange Cassidy. But there's more to pro wrestling than just the athleticism or the credibility there's storytelling. There's personalities and characters. That's yep. why Mark is saying, I don't want this guy to be, you know, this outsider to be in the arena when we're going over stories and what we're going to do in the ring because it's about believability. <clears throat> and in that world of pro wrestling, it's just like in movies and TV shows. If, you know, if you're watching a movie and halfway through the movie, Mark, they stopped the movie and all the actors came out, came out and said, well, I'm Joe and I'm Ted and I'm Alice. You know what? Like then when you watch the second half of the movie, you're you're probably not going to be interested in it because all the believability has been completely stripped. It's gone. Yeah. And but but you know what? And on another side of that, um you you talk about I, I put it like this, and I told you during the break, Dave, and I I said this to everybody, my Gabby and 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 Ed, this is my team. I can tell them anything. And I said that. I could book Orange Cassidy to beat Brock Lesnar. Orange Cassidy goes out to the ring, does his stick, and then Brock's music play, and everybody goes, oh, shit, Jaws. <laughs> He's finna get eight and one bite. And as Brock is coming to the ring and he's on the floor, Orange Cassidy hits the ropes, jumps, flips over the top, and lands right on Brock's neck and shoulder. Brock comes up lame. Maybe he dislocates his shoulder. But he grabs Orange Cassidy with one hand and pie face him all the way across the ring to the other side. He comes in, he grabs Orange Cassidy with one hand, slam. And you think, oh my God, Orange Cassidy is finna die. Brock goes to stomp him. He rolls out of the way. Brock goes to run into him in the corner, and he moves. Brock hits that hurt shoulder. Orange Cassidy hasn't thrown one move at Brock. Brock falls out of the ring to the floor, nursing the shoulder and neck, and he can't get up. Orange Cassidy is in the ring with his hands in his pocket, and the referee is counting. Ding, ding, ding. Brock Lesnar can't get back in the ring because he's, 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 he needs medical attention. Who wins? Orange Who wins, Cassidy. Dave? Orange Cassidy. I can make it happen. It's like you, you can't tell me 
that something can't be done. You just have to have the psychology and the understanding to think to make it happen. And when you tell those type of stories, that's what makes fans. Then Orange Cassidy hit Brock with anything other than the one thing flipping over to the top, and Brock got hurt. That's it. It's that simple. Tell stories. Find a way. And, you know, Jacob is listening to the show because he's not at school yet. He's, you know, homeschooled, so he's listening to the show. And he said the guy's name was Tyler Creator. But anyway. Oh, the rapper. Okay. Yeah. I, I really think that um, there needs to be some reprogramming in, with, the, with the talent to respect the business more, to be more professional in the delivery and uh, uh, putting the shows together. The companies need to get rid of all these marks. And I, and I said negatively, the people that, uh, I almost said MFers, to get rid of these people that are walking around the arenas with their f- cell phones recording stuff, and then they want to go to the Internet and say, oh, I, I'm at working at Daly's Place. This guy's in the ring practicing this. Get rid of those people. Get rid of them. Or have the talent aware enough and to care enough that they don't want to let look around and see if anybody's watching so people don't see what you're doing, the inner workings of our life's blood. Be responsible for it. Like, that's, that's, just, that's just my thing with the talent. And as far as the fans, like I said, do you want to be the guy to walk up to the five-year-old and tell him that there's no Santa? Why would, why would you post that? Hey, everyone, this is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host, Kirk Morrison. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Um, Justin, so there is a lot of positivity to talk about when it comes to the world of wrestling this week, especially what we saw on Wednesday, because it sounds like both uh, NXT and AEW had a big improvement with viewership as compared to the week before. Yeah, it's an up. And anytime you have an increase is always a win. Uh, both Dynamite uh, and NXT, as you say, go up. Uh, Dynamite went up to 826,000. Uh, they did beat NXT, who had 600. Uh, and 51,000, but I mean, uh, both up. I mean, I think, you know, Dynamite was in the 750s the week prior. NXT was in the 630s the week prior. So an increase. Um, AEW was down a little bit in their key demo, if you want to get into that. But overall, I think this is good news. I think um, it's good news because, you know, obviously for Dynamite, this is the one-year anniversary show. So you, you want to hope, you know, hopefully be performing better than what you had. My personal opinion, I actually enjoyed the Jericho 30th anniversary a little bit better than this past week's show, um, but that's just my own personal preference. But I also think this is a uh, an important thing that for NXT because you know NXT didn't have 
they didn't have anything they were building around for this particular night. They're building towards Halloween Havoc, but NXT is in kind of a, a, a you know a little bit of an of a unfortunate situation. They you know the last two champions that they've crowned get injured. The world champions get injured in the match of which they're winning the title. So that obviously derails and trigger effects booking. Um, never mind ever having to deal with anything with just general 2020 health precautions and and keeping people away for for precaution. Uh, so the fact that NXT was able to at least increase their viewership while going up against all that AEW is trying to load up uh, with this anniversary show, I, I think you know NXT should be proud for that. I mean, yeah, of course you want to win and, and, and get more viewership than AEW, but I still think having an increase of where you were that's a good sign uh, as as they build towards their Halloween Havoc in two weeks. Yeah, and the other sure. thing too, Mark, is that they went up. Mark, real quick, they went up against the 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 baseball playoffs as well. So that's a good sign right. too. That view and still went up. That's pretty yep. good. My yep. question to Justin is, um, uh, what what have you heard about scheduling? Like you know, going forward and knowing uh, about maybe possibly even touring again. Yeah, I mean, it's great that you brought that up, Mark. That's obviously a constant thought uh, as it is with wrestling and with everything in the world is, is when can we try to start adapting uh, to where we're at? And it seems with WWE, I mean, look, they, they took up residency right now at the Amway Center for this Thunder, uh, Thunderdome um, yeah, for, for NXT. It's in the Capital Wrestling Center. And it looks like we're going to have something to that effect, at least for regarding TV, uh, probably till 2022. Um, you know, it's, wow. there's been a lot of, ch- there's been a lot of chatter, uh, out of, from a lot of people talking, uh, to, to, to those in WWE, to, you know, you can try to talk to people in all departments and while everything is always a, well, this is what I'm hearing and this is what we think's happening. Obviously, you know, it always, always comes back to one, one figurehead decision maker, but the understanding and belief is probably getting back to the touring and as the traditional, you know, four day a week for a brand, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, uh, type of touring or, 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 or what have you, where you're in a different city. That's, that's just, that's just not going to happen anytime soon. Um, I think that, you know, yeah. resident, yeah, residencies, residencies are going to be a thing for a bit uh, of being able to sit, put, keep everybody, you know, in one place, kind of in a controlled environment, clean that environment, know who's coming in and out of that environment. Uh, and then eventually, maybe sometime in 2021, we get back to TVs being in a different place every week or every few weeks. But until we're back to where they're hitting, you know, a handful of towns, I mean, we're still a few years away from that. And that's the plan as of now of <clears throat> trying to go back to what was normal. But, you know, once 2022 comes, who knows? I mean, I, I, you know, I know that the old fashioned model was live events are what drew the business. TV was just to promote the live events. So that was the you know, that was the goal back when Raw started. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to still be the case because TV is where all the money is with with USA and with Fox. And, you know, they make some money off of the house shows. Um, you know, obviously they make more off of the special Madison Square Garden shows and they do the, you know, Poughkeepsie, New York's, but you know, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to actually see it happen if they do re- certainly return to a forty-something week a year model of going to four different cities in a in a in a, in a year. I just don't know, or in, in a week, I don't know if they will. I, I honestly don't know. I think residencies might be more of a thing that stays for them. Wow, Dave, you hear that? It's heartbreaking again. 
It's heartbreaking, Mark. <laughs> but you know what? I think even before this pandemic, it seemed to be going in this direction. Like AEW didn't have live events. Everything that you saw was with within their TV, you know, for AEW Dynamite on Wednesdays. They didn't have live events. You know, the WWE, it sounds like Justin before this pandemic was losing money with their live event schedule. So I think they were kind of going in this direction. But, you know, I, I know, Justin, you probably hear this a lot. Everybody wants a timetable. Everybody wants a date. All right. By this date, by this year. And it's impossible to do that right now because, you know, it feels in a lot of ways here we are in, in, in middle of October. In a lot of ways, it's like we're back in April when you look at the numbers and the restrictions and things that are happening throughout our country, throughout the world. So it's almost impossible to come up with any kind of timetable where things could go back to the way they were eight or nine months ago. It, yeah, it really is. I mean, I can remember in March, me being naive, not realizing how severe this thing's going to be. You know, I was supposed to go to Aruba with my wife for an anniversary in May. And we're like, okay, well, we'll just push it in November. And, and oh, by the time we get to Survivor Series, we're going to be back to full, you know. And yeah, you just, you just, you have no idea. Um, but, you know, and I, with the live event thing, and I'd love to ask Mark this, you know, well, first off, I, I don't know if they were losing money necessarily on the live events, but but I don't know if the margin, that the profit, if the, the, the P&L margin was, big enough of a win to justify maybe what maybe it runs the morale down. Cause the guys are another day or a few days away from their families and it's, it's more days of bumps. But what I would ask Mark about, because he's experienced this is if they got rid of the non TV live events every week and maybe just threw a few special ones here and there like MSG, whatever, if they got rid of the week to week, non TV live events, I don't think financially they'd have a problem. I think what I would wonder is from the talent standpoint of it's a chance for talent to kind of work things out in the ring in front of a, just a live audience and not in front of a TV audience. And they can work on things before they get to TV, before they get to a pay-per-view match with said opponent, they kind of get a, basically a, a, a dress rehearsal, you know, Mark, how important was that for you when you were a talent to get to, if you're going to work with said guy on a pay-per-view might be, you get a few runs with them uh, in front of 10,000 people with no TV. Was that valuable to you? It, it was very valuable, but I think it's more invaluable to people that's less experienced. Um, there was a, there was a case of a young wrestler, uh, when I was, you know, wrestling undertaker that was real nervous about the performance in the match that they were about to have. Um, I'll, I'll talk about me. I'm not going to mention them, but the anxiety of living up was bothering this guy. And he needed those matches on the house shows to get that comfortability uh, with the guy that he was working with. So, yeah, it, it does affect some people, not everybody. Uh, and as far as profit and loss, um, there was really not that much loss on our house shows uh, because we were doing um, 160, 170 uh, shows and – Every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, um, you had the opportunity to make anywhere from, you know, $120,000 a house to $170,000, depending on the market. And the arenas usually didn't cost that much. The security, the paramedics, and all of the things that you have to pay for uh, didn't cost that much. Uh, it was under $20,000. So you were in your profit was, you know, 115, 120 grand a show. So it, it, it really didn't matter that at that point. Um, 
that money has gone away. In one in one fell swoop, now there's no live events. So that you know, you you do the math. You do a hundred thousand, uh, you know, times one hundred and fifty, one hundred and sixty shows. You see how much money was made, uh, and that's just on the low end because there were some places we would go, like the Dunkin' Donut Center in Providence. I remember seeing like a two hundred and sixty thousand dollar house. I remember going to Los Angeles at the Staples Center and seeing a close to three hundred thousand dollar house. Like so, there there were some shows that you know big arenas, Houston, Dallas, uh, Miami, American Airlines. Like you, you would get two hundred thousand or more. Um, but that is different than uh, anything that we've ever seen with this COVID, uh, because that money completely went away. Now to get that money back, you have to do TV deals and contracts and sponsorships and. Um, you know, what they market, why would that's that's one of the right reasons why the WWE is taking control over the outside streams of income because they have to control it so they can command more money. I was just about to ask, how are the house shows for the talent, and is that why they're pushing Twitch and streaming even more? Which now WWE's getting their hand in that pocket. Well, that they they if I was if I own the company, I would do the same thing because then I can control the standard of um, how much money is to be made. And um, sometimes the, uh, the boot doesn't ask the ant uh, a question about, <laughs> you know, whether or not I'm going to put my foot down. So that's the case right now. The WWE is the boot and the business is the ant. And they're trying to, without saying it, uh, let us just handle this, guys. Let us handle it, and then the money will trickle down. But we can get more money from sponsors and from marketing if we can command more money. If everybody's asking for nickels and dimes, then they're going to take that route. So at the end of the day, I think it's going to work out that people are going to make money, but you have to negotiate that. You have to say, look, I'm. Uh, I think what what did you say? That Big E made like sixty five thousand dollars from uh, cameos and all that stuff. Well, yeah, now we they can say, yeah. well, we, Big E needs to make a hundred thousand, mm-hmm. and Big E still gets his sixty five thousand, but now the WWE can pocket that other forty thousand. That you can ask for more as a corporation than you can as an individual. You see what I'm saying? Sure. And that's that's what talent has got to realize. But talent have failed in negotiating. I failed in negotiating at times because I was so anxious to keep my runs going and keeping the, the standard bottom line that I didn't want to rock the boat. But guys now are realizing that something like COVID could come along and if you don't have a downside, a good downside, you're going to starve, especially if your cost of living is really high. It's almost like we hear about the performance center. They have some of those classes. Uh, maybe they already do. I know they have classes to, to some of the younger talents of managing money and, and things that guys and, you know, and, and generations before didn't have. 
it, it would certainly be beneficial if they had a class, maybe even somebody like you, somebody who can admit that, hey, I came in the business young, I failed at times, and, and obviously you've since turned into a, a great businessman, Mark. Have somebody there that can teach them the art of negotiating. I don't know if WWE wants to teach them the art of negotiating because they come back and use it on them later, but it would be a very Listen, valuable, man, that's, valuable class. That's never going to happen. <laughs> the, 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 the good thing that the WWE is doing is the WWE is uh, bringing people in to do money marketing classes and show kids, or I say kids, show the guys and girls how to uh, prolong the money that they make and, and to save it, not just spend it. And uh, they, they have the drug testing and drug counsel and the medical uh, help that people are getting now. It's a lot of things that didn't exist. Even it goes back to 2018 when I retired. There's a lot that's going on now in 2020, 2021 that didn't exist that I wish. Wow. I wish I'd had that. But I guess if I was on dire straits and something happened to me, I don't have one doubt in the world that that company would go, hey, Mark Henry did a lot for us. We're going to help him. That's that's what you get with that company. And, and there's a lot of times and a lot of people look at this as a negative. Well, he's a company person that that's that seen in 2020 as a negative. But if you really think about it, it could be a positive because when you are a company person, that company should take care of you. Maybe it doesn't always happen that way, but they should. And let's look at the world of the NFL, because you guys, you know, you're both football fans. You know, one of the greatest head coaches of all time was Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells and a lot of players that worked under Bill Parcells were called Parcells disciples because they would live and die for Bill Parcells. Why? Because he didn't just care about what you did on the football field. When you come in and were a part of his team, he wanted to know what you were doing as a person. Did you have problems, personal problems, maybe with, you know, with a marriage or children or other type of business issues? He wanted to know about those things to help you with those things. Because ultimately, by helping you with those things, that would make you a better person, but it would also make you a better player because you weren't focused on things that were going on off the field. Right. And now what the NFL did is they saw what Bill Parcells was doing, and now like for rookies that come in, they have those rookie symposiums now to teach you how to manage your money and things like that. So like, if the WWE was to do something like that, that's only going to benefit their roster moving forward. Right, and, and, and that's what they're doing. And uh, I don't have one doubt whatsoever. People, th- there was a point last week, uh, or not last week, uh, early this week, where somebody made the comment about um, this person being a contracted wrestler. There are people at AEW that are not under contract. They are working weekly. I mean, they're they're still doing shows for... Uh, uh, independent circuits and different things too. And is that person getting insurance or are they insured only for when they are on AEW programming? It's like both companies are doing good things by the talent, but it's not perfect anywhere. It's not perfect at the WWE. It's not perfect at New Japan. Impact, ROH, AEW, you name it. Nothing's perfect. But you have the ability as a talent 
to say what's important to you when you sign a contract or if you started working dailies or weeklies with a company. Hey, for this week, um, one non-negotiable is if I get injured in the ring, that you take care of my medical 100%. That's a non-negotiable. But some people are so anxious to work, they'll work for free. They'll, they'll, they'll work just for dailies. Give me that 500 bucks a week a show. Or well, especially whatever, right now. Whatever that ne- negotiation process is for that individual. Well, especially now, Mark, with with AEW and WWE and Impact, just you know, I guess ROH is coming back too. I mean, the TVs are are, are making it work because they have the resources and means to make it work. But, you know, there's, there's very, I mean, you can count them probably on two hands. There's very few independents that are running regularly. I know we here in Pittsburgh at IWC Wrestling, we ran some shows at a, at a big drive-in and at a baseball minor league stadium. I know Warrior Wrestling in Chicago. I know there's been one down in Houston uh, in Dallas, but, you know. Don't there, look at me, man. <laughs> but you know, you know, but got, uh, not a lot of paydays out there. Well, I mean, and Justin, with this COVID hanging over our heads, they, you know, there was the GCW Collective last weekend in Indy, and then there is a couple of wrestlers that have now tested positive that were at, you know, at at the at the collective, and and that's unfortunate because you know. There was Ring of Honor, you know, wrestlers that were a part of that. Now they can't be a part of the TV because they were a part of that collective that where there yeah. was positive tests. And, and, and listen, we even saw it in the world of the WWE. They had the, you know, the, the Raw Underground. And now it seems like they pumped the brakes on the Raw Underground because they had all these different brands that were outside that ring. And then they had to pump the brakes on that. And that was something that obviously they put a lot of time and effort into. And they had to pump the brakes on it. So, I mean... It's it's, it's just Justin. It's just a crowd, uh, a cloud that's just lingering over the world of wrestling. Yeah, COVID's right now. a bitch, man. Yeah, Golly. It, it it really is. And, and even and I mean, I could speak. I, I could speak to ours, and I can speak to I think a few other independents that I just spoke of. Even when if you're talent and you're getting booked on an independent, you know, so you're trying to get a little bit of money. A lot of these independents are doing away with the intermission because they don't want people up and gathering in close quarters and taking pictures, whatever. And, and intermission is a huge potential money maker. That's where guys time. make money for yeah. selling autographs. Right. And they, that's where they get to make money that, that the, but the promoter has no say over, you know? So yeah, it's, it's a, yeah. COVID is a bitch. Now, and hopefully we'll get past it. Uh, it's, 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 it's extremely tough. And I, I didn't think we'd be talking eight months in and we'd still be kind of like in the first step. Cause it seems in a lot of ways, even though we've evolved and learned to work with a lot of things, we're still like in that, in that first inning of what's going to be a definite long game. You know, Justin, when you look at the world of the WWE, we've talked a lot about the WWE. I know somebody that uh, is going through some changes, both, both creatively and health wise. And that's Andrade. Yeah. You know, we saw him, he, he's one of the, two free agents, I believe that never got drafted anywhere. He, and I think Mickey James is still the other one that never got placed anywhere uh, on the board. And then we saw, we saw Andrade be part of that, that awesome segment, mind you on raw with, with the fiend and Alexa and getting the mandible claw. And, and you know, kind of looked like, all right, maybe are they resetting with him? Are they, are they writing him off? What's happening here? Uh, originally, I believe PW insider had originally reported that they were hearing that Andrade was going to go back to NXT, which I have no problem with if that happens because NXT's got some vacancies right now. But since that story came out, uh, my colleagues at Wrestling Inc., they have a new exclusive and they kind of have a, some more information of what's going on with here, Andrade. He is going to go away for a brief time. It looks like he's going he's opting to do 
uh, you know, some kind of a minor elective surgery. Um, so, you know, that's going to put them out a month, two months is, is, is what we've been hearing. Uh, but the, the, our report, Rustin Nick saying that when he comes back, he's going to get pushed. Uh, our belief is the push is happening on Raw or SmackDown. Um, maybe they pivot. You know, again, nothing's official until it happens on TV. Maybe they pivot and find and find need for him in NXT. But it does seem like he's he's away by his own choice. Uh, you know, getting getting something taken care of that he wants to get taken care of, and that you know he's not fallen out of grace with the office. That there is plans to to kind of you know restart the push that he had earlier in 2020. It's interesting that if he does come back, if he's going to be paired up with Zelina Vega, because Zelina Vega has been a perfect mouthpiece for Andrade, but it seems like Zelina, they've been pushing as a wrestler. So it's going to be interesting if that combination happens again. Absolutely. Also with the WWE and last thing, and Justin, always happy with the time. Always love having you on on a Falls Count Anywhere Friday. In the world of the WWE, it seems like we might be getting a return. There's a rumor going around that Eva Marie may be coming back to the ring in the WWE. Yeah, Cultaholic uh, first uh, broke this story out. And Eva Marie, of course, uh, I, look, I'll say it. I'll take all the hate that everybody wants to give me. I'm an Eva Marie fan. And there's a... It, it, it seems that she has already signed. It seems that ink has already hit the paper and that she wow. is in business with WWE and that at some point she will be back on TV at any time. Uh, you know, word has it. She's been down in Florida. So uh, yeah, it looks like she's coming back. I mean, even Marie, she, she was, uh, you know, obviously big on reality show for her. Then, then they, uh, you know, they, she was, she worked, worked TV. You know, I think the last big gimmick she had before, disappearing from Raw and SmackDown was the whole, you know, kind of repackaging her, building her up, and she never quite made it to the ring because of one thing or another. Here's my thought of Eva Marie. First off, again, I, you know, I'm, I'm always happy for anybody who's getting a, a paycheck, especially in these times. In my mind, Eva Marie, uh, you know, if, if, you, if you follow her life, I mean, in her work now and on social media, I mean, she's in shape. She is in badass shape. Mm-hmm. She, she's, she's in shape. She's athletic. Um, you know, I, she's done training. Hopefully, she continues to get more training to learn the, the art, you know, the craft of what you do in the ring. But I mean, look, she looks like a million bucks. She's got, she's very much like Alana. She's got a lot of outside uh, mainstream appeal and, and and connection. Um, It's just kind of a matter of bottling it all and getting in the right place. I think there's a lot of potential for her again, if everything can get in the right place. Um, I actually find it kind of interesting to have her and Lana on the same roster and this or just in the same company at the same time. Cause they're very, they are very similar in my mind of, you know, the fans, the fans naturally draw to dislike them uh, in a wrestling capacity. Cause they feel that they don't belong. They yet, they have such a strong influence or can have a strong influence outside of wrestling. So I don't know. I, I, there's a lot of dynamics there at play that I think can be, that can be explored, but uh, I'm, I'm happy, you know, Eva's uh, on, on the way back. Um, and look, it, it, the, the power she has to get the react to get the negative reaction she gets. Again, I've said it before. I don't believe in none of that X-Pac heat nonsense, the go away heat nonsense. If you can make people make that much noise to dislike you, you're doing something right and you're here to stay. So I, I think it's powerful. She can do that. And uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what comes of it. It's a lot of people, Justin, that they dislike people that look good. It's kind of like the academics that hate athletes. And it's, 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 it's weird. But, you know, you take a Eva Marie. Uh, uh, you see what she's done with her body? Like, yeah. She was always kind of soft and, and voluptuous shape. Man, she lean, man. Muscles everywhere now. And, and she looks the part more than she did back then but 
I still I don't care like the judgment. Me, Gabby, we we laugh all the time because Gabby is an athletic built, voluptuous shaped woman, and she hates. She's like, I don't want to be. I don't want to be skinny, but damn it, I want to be in shape. And she diets and works out hard and stuff. And I'm like, good, Gabby, do it. But there are a lot of people that they don't they they judge rather than get putting the work in. But you you know the same thing with Carmela. The same thing. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a bunch. There's a bunch of girls that are in that elk where you know they they look like even Mandy Rose. You know, people judge them because of the way they look rather than the work. Mandy Rose, have you noticed how her work has gotten so much better in the last year? Dana Brooks, too. Like, they've gotten really, really good. And I think the judgment stuff has got to stop. It it fits right in there with the same conversations about what's real and what's not like who cares there, like it's yeah, there, about getting over let the people get over there is a there is a handshake and a hot dog audience out there if you didn't work through and work at some gymnasium yeah. for a hot dog and a handshake then you don't belong in wwe god forbid that you right. might have something else to bring you might have had some of the life lesson to bring if you, you know it's, it's a funny funny elk of fans out there a segment of fans i should say that, that feel that well, way. When you talk about hate, Justin, and I know Mark and I can relate. I mean, the NFC East is looking like it's going to probably Woo! be the worst division in the history of the NFL. So, talk about uh, a hot dog and a handshake division. Oh my goodness <laughs> gracious, man! I think uh, six wins is going to be enough this year to to win the division. Ay, 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 this has been a rough Yikes. year, man. And we're only and we're only in the middle of October. And I don't know what's worse, Corona or the NFC East. It's both pretty bad. It's both they pretty both bad. They both are horrible. Hey, you can't socially distance from uh, the NFC East, I don't think. <laughs> Damn. It's pretty Oh, I watched my bad. team, man, and it just hurts my soul. It definitely. Just well, really, you know, take really the, hurts. Maybe take the year off because I don't think there's going to be much that you're going to like from watching football this year. One thing that was very good was Justin this week. Justin, thank you as always for joining us. Appreciate the time. Thank you, guys. I'll do, do look forward to doing it next week. All right, we'll do it. We'll do it again next week. Maybe. All right, Mark. There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot. Maybe a I'm lot. gonna yeah, put a on ain't, this shit. Yeah, because Henry's gonna put his. Uh, I'm the ant. He's the boot. <laughs> All right. So wait a second. So is this a week to week thing, Mark, with Justin? Uh, he did good this week, so I'm gonna let him make it. <laughs> All right. So next week. So we, we definitely have Justin for next week. Yeah, we got him for next week. Don't All right. don't regress. So, all right, so it Justin, we'll now, it's 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 a handshake and a hot dog deal right now with Justin. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. So if I just right, got the so bun, I didn't even get no hot dog. All right. Well, oh, at least it's the bun and mustard. Got something. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM, Fight Nation, Channel 156, The Busted Open Podcast.